0: Welcome back to the Architecture Firm Marketing Podcast. I'm Dave Sharp, Marketing Consultant for Architects at VanityProjects.com. Today, I'm joined by Katrina Stewart and Hugh McEwen from Office s and an architecture practice based in London who work with a 50-50 split of public and private clients. Office s and are known for their playful projects, inventive use of color and materials, and they've recently won the BD Young Architect of the Year Award, AD 40 Under 40 and Reba J Rising Stars. In this episode, we discussed Hugh and Katrina's thoughts on a wide variety of issues, including how the studio's specialist expertise in colour and material has allowed them to establish a recognisable architectural brand without becoming pigeonholed in a particular project type, why the studio emphasises a 50-50 split between public and private work in their messaging, and how it's helped them to communicate what they do more clearly, the unique website pages and copywriting strategies the studio have used to personalize their website experience to the different types of clients they work with, and how the studio uses friendly copy and visuals to make their architecture more approachable to the public. I really hope you enjoy my conversation with Hugh and Katrina from Office s and Guys, thank you very much for coming on the podcast.
1: Thanks very
2: much thank you for having us.
0: No problem. Um, I think, you know, where should we start? I I think it's always good to have a little bit of a, I I suppose, the journey of the studio and your backgrounds and all of that stuff. And I was reading through your about page and it looks like you guys have some pretty sort of interesting backstories that kind of lead into some of the stuff we're going to be chatting about. So should we do the usual, give us the background on the studio and I guess guess where Office S&M has kind of come from over the last few years?
2: So yeah, I mean, we we set up a, a while ago now. We set up in uh, two thousand and thirteen, um, shortly shortly after we graduated uh, from university. Um, but we, I suppose, when we first started, uh, we weren't working full time in the office. Uh, we started the practice off the back of a few competition wins. Um, and initially we were working on weekends uh, and evenings uh, in and around other jobs that we had. Um, We were working in other architecture practices. Um, I was working in computer games at the time. And, yeah, so I suppose slowly we started dedicating more days to the practice um, as we won more competitions, uh, won more projects, um, and then about two years ago, we started, yeah, we were, we started working full time in the office.
0: Wow. I didn't realize that it was really just the last couple of years that it's been full time. And then what's the studio at now? You guys are like a serious architecture firm now. <laughs> it's come so quickly. So, and so at the moment, what do what are you kind of at as a practice in terms of the number of people that work for you? And I guess just a little bit of that. And then we'll go back more to the background and Hugh, your background as well. I'm not skipping that. But I'm kind of interested in sort of where you're at right now in terms of um, over the two years, yeah, so, how far you guys have come.
1: So we're now a team of five going on six. Yeah. Um, and um, we've then got kind of various other team members that work with us. Um, and yeah, we're now in a position where we're working on a kind of 50-50 split of uh, work for public clients and work for private clients. Um, so we've sort of continued from those early competition wins, as Katrina mentioned, um, and then um carried and then moved into kind of more uh, more private work as well. Um, and yeah, you know things seem to be going really, really well.
0: yeah. And so those competitions that you're working on, kind of side projects doing that, what how are you sort of picking, I guess what you were spending your time on, just anything that looked like it was kind of an interesting fit? Uh, like what sort of, What sort of stuff were you kind of looking for at that point?
2: So I suppose with the earlier competitions, um, we were looking, I suppose, to enter competitions that were of a scale that we felt that we could, um, you know, compete (laughs) or we had a chance. Um, But we also, uh, we had, uh, you know, and more senior practices um, doing larger projects. And um, a few of those, uh, they ran competitions for kind of smaller chunks of the project. Uh, so our first project was for a shop front in, um, on a high street in London. Uh, and uh, here we were collaborating uh, with Yankatine Architects and they were doing the whole high street So they subdivided the high street into individual kind of projects that they um, ran a competition for. And that was really, really amazing because it allowed us to, you know, have our kind of first project in the portfolio, um, you know, to go all the way through from, you know, design, early design stages through to construction. So we were able to actually see it kind of built. Um, and it meant that it was like our first stepping stone, I suppose. So the next project we did four shops on a high street. Yeah. And then the next one after that was a full high street. So I suppose we always kind of, yeah, use these early projects as, um, as a way of, Uh, you know, learning, um, uh, but also as a kind of stepping stone to the next project.
0: Yeah, I I was, I sort of scrolled right back through your Instagram back to like 2016. And I was looking at that shopfront project (laughs) and going, it's kind of like what they're doing now, but just really small (laughs) in a (laughs) shopfront. It's a fruit stand instead of, you know, a kitchen or or a public space. So it's kind of, It seems like you, even at that very early stage, you were starting to kind of narrow in on, you know, your style or your kind of, Mm. your way of doing things, right?
1: And I think that's really, yeah, I suppose that's at the kind of heart of what we do is that we've, we've kind of always wanted to do these sorts of projects. And because we, you know, we started off, we first met at university and we were sort of the only two people in our unit using color and so we kind of (laughs) inevitably (laughs) you know end up having lots of conversations and starting to kind of think around these things and I think really you know a lot of the stuff that we still do today is is based on kind of what we were interested in or started researching in our university work and you know then you know fast forward a a few years uh, (laughs) and we're now actually kind of being able to build that but it's We've always had that kind of ethos at the heart of what we do. You know, it's not like we set out and thought, oh, where's the, you know, where's this kind of, you know.
0: Where's the opportunity to do something different? um, It was, Exactly,
1: exactly. It's been, I think we always use the term organic, Um, (laughs) um, but yeah, I think it's been quite natural.
0: Were you guys ever in a situation where you felt like you were kind of forbidden from using (laughs) colour? maybe maybe not but you know it's you're sort of saying it sounds like it was the work that you kind of wanted to do but maybe those opportunities weren't always kind of there right until you got to go out on your own and really just go for it
1: I think I think it's sort of almost like it's not supported you know yeah I think because in our I think we always talk about the fact that in architect architectural education um it's sort of not a topic that's broached you know you don't get taught about color in the way that you would in a, in a, in an artistic practice or, or or artistic education. And, and yeah, it's incredibly powerful spatially and um, in terms of communication and in terms of the ways that you can kind of use it, you know, architecturally. And yeah, we feel that there's kind of this gap and then that gap just carries on through because people haven't, you know, haven't built up a confidence in it, then don't feel confident in when they're in practice. And so there's always this kind of, you know, default kind of, um, return to gray, um, yeah. which, which, yeah, we think, we think is sort of, you know, potentially because of people just never, you know, never having the confidence to kind of use something. That's yeah. That's
0: interesting. I was kind of wondering about that. We, we spoke a, for a couple of minutes before the call about, uh, Hugh about risk and risk taking and using color and, Uh, my my perception anyway that that there's a lot of practices that kind of seem maybe a little bit afraid to do that um that it is kind of a risky move to be that bold and and you mentioned that you know it's it's even just part of your process of kind of comforting and reassuring clients that it's okay to use to use color (laughs) it's like everyone's kind of but but it's very it's interesting that you put it that it's it might be coming from a place of not really necessarily being taught as much about it which is very interesting um, so do you, did you find as you started putting out some of your projects, um, in, in this very distinctive sort of very office S and M kind of way, um, how soon did you notice that there's, I, I guess, a bit of an audience of people out there that are just real lovers of color and joyful design? Did they appear quite quickly or did it take time for them to sort of uh, for a little bit of an audience to kind of mass around you guys?
2: I'm not sure. I think I think I suppose when we when we first started I think we felt uh, probably like there weren't that many people (laughs) doing things that we were doing and and actually I suppose through you know, through things like social media, and um, you know, particularly probably kind of Instagram, I suppose we've realised that actually, you know, there are there are people doing you know similar things to us, and, and I think that's been really really nice to kind of learn about other practices, um, and and I suppose form these relationships with other kind of artists, designers, uh, makers, uh, and also architectural practices. Um, and yeah, I suppose it's it's it's. Um, I think it's it's still something that is, um, you know, maybe not as kind of uh, widespread as you know other other kind of approaches. Uh, but I think it's definitely something that's growing, um, and definitely something that we've kind of noticed.
0: Absolutely,
1: yeah. Go on here, and I, and I think you know I think just to carry on on that point. Um, I think we're finding that that's across the world as well. And I think that sort of sometimes, you know, there are definitely connections that we have in London and we see sort of, you know, there being opportunities and, and kind of, you know, a, a kind of group of, of architects that are starting to kind of do things, you know, near us. But then also it's, it's much more widespread than that. And and actually over the last year, we've kind of had the opportunities to just hop on Zoom calls and have have conversations with people that maybe we otherwise wouldn't and, you know, talk to um you know paradigm Ari- ariadne um and space popular and kind of people that you know we've got these kind of tangential connections with but they're in you know i think you know the space popular were on an island in off the coast of sweden you know <laughs> when we had a chat with them yeah but you know so so there are these there are these um people kind of doing doing things that we sort of see connections with um that yeah we're just trying to kind of then foster you know foster those connections and 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 yeah continue that conversation in in various ways
0: it sounds like color is almost an industry (laughs) there's like color artists color consultants you're in the color niche you're kind of like friends with each other in connecting in ways that you know normally architects are kind of connecting with each other um but you guys are like these are our color people and we all hang out and we're best buds like i love that
1: (laughs) no that's (laughs) that's, really that's really yeah. true, and and like we've been, we just did some judging for a color, an award that Dulux run, you know, yeah. and 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 then it's sort of seeing, yeah, seeing how we can kind of have conversations in different spheres. That's really really exciting.
0: Oh, they must love you guys, <laughs> <You're> the, <laughs> the number one customer, the VIPs. Um, yeah, and I was I was just reading the profile that you posted the other day about um, Overcast House. And your I saw that your client was themselves a color consultant. And I was just like, oh, the obvious impact of being in a niche and being distinctive here, is that you end up attracting um devotees of that niche, right? And people that are kind of in there. Um so that's a that's an interesting what a cool client to work with in your in your case. That must have been a bit of a dream.
1: Yeah, it's it's fantastic when you can you can have those conversations really openly, and I think, yeah, we are now starting to be in a position where people know about us and start to come to us because of what we do and yeah. because of the value that we can bring to them. And yeah, I suppose on the on the domestic side, um, we then we're working with yeah, um, personal colour consultants, uh, graphic designers, um, yeah. and and yeah, then people who kind of want something special, you know, want something that's really about them, um, rather than a kind of generic response. And, um, yeah, then we're seeing that, that value also kind of coming out for our, you know, for our public clients or our commercial clients as well, where they, they get something that's really, really special and really, really particular.
0: Yeah. We're going to have like a bit of a whole conversation about the public side, but I guess in terms of what's special or particular to them. Just curious, I'm kind of picking up on that a little bit. Um, it, it, what is it that you think about the approach that is really resonating with that audience as well? In terms of, I guess, like what's the common thread between the residential and the public side that that you found as a way of kind of tying it together?
1: I think it really comes. It really comes out in kind of. Uh, I think in the way that um, design can be expressive, and I think because we go through um, very. You know personal conversations both with our private clients and with public clients um it's then that level of conversation being translated into the architecture that that is is where the kind of value is so with our with our private clients it's kind of you know meaning that it, exactly what they're interested in you know as we go through this kind of you know um almost sort of confidence building process is then realized in the final space and and then they're able to enjoy it with our with our public clients. It's much more of a co-design process where we're then um, working with um, local residents or um, kind of focus groups. Um, when we're then uh, building capacity and building, you know, the the, the ability of of these um, uh, kind of wider groups to um, to input on the designs and then see their their input represented in the final pieces. And so it's it's working through, you know, collecting stories or collecting collecting designs and then you know. Talking about colours, talking about sites, talking about materials, and then how we how we're going to kind of deliver those things that we've um, sort of, that we've empowered people to be engaged with and and come out with a solution for, and so those then result in these um, in 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 our public clients seeing that we're we're able to kind of bring people on that journey and and res- and create results that are um, you know. Are the result of that journey? They are, they are actually what those what um, what the public consultees have have sort of felt valuable, and we translated that into the final piece.
0: Yeah, interesting. Um, Katrina, do you have any thoughts on that one?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think I think I suppose um, as Hugh was saying, I think I think it is about that kind of design journey, um, and you know, as a practice, we're very interested in. Um, You know narrative and um you know materials and uh treating color as a as a building material um but also yeah it's 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 really about that kind of journey of design and those conversations with with your clients and you know finding finding out about you know every aspect of you know their kind of daily lives and 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 really, it's about kind of celebrating that. It's it we you know also we quite often use very simple materials, uh, but um, you know uh, curated or, or combined in a kind of interesting way. Um, and, and it's the same with you know se- simple kind of you know thinking about simple activities in a space, but actually you know really carefully designing around them.
0: This approach to going through that journey or that process with clients, I think in relation to color and the sort of the, the using it, using color as a material, I'm, you, I'm imagining that early on in the practice you had, you, you, it seems like you had a fairly clear idea, I suppose, of, you know, creatively what you wanted to do, but I'm, I'm, I'm sort of interested in, you know, how you developed this sense of there being a process and a journey and managing people through that process, whether that was a private client or then it's sort of scaled to a community <laughs> or it, it's kind of it's it's kind of a difficult it can be a difficult process and i imagine it's kind of made slightly more difficult given that there's this sense of we're going to do something that you know maybe is a bit unexpected is not kind of just going with the norm um maybe what do you how did that process start to develop for you guys did you have any I guess, background that helped with that or was there a particular sort of trick that you picked up along the way that made things a little bit easier in that area?
1: I think it, we have a kind of range of approaches and I think it's um, it's really about kind of giving people options as well as kind of taking them through the, through the process. So I think what we found was that um, it, it's... It's really, I think we didn't have like a specific way of kind of approaching that, but we had a, a kind of academic understanding of, you know, thinking about precedent, thinking about design and, and how those two things could kind of be related. So how you kind of explain things through examples of, you know, stuff that already existed, but at the same time try and propose something that was was totally new. And I think then, you know, kind of using, using that approach um, to bring, elements that our clients are interested in and elements that we're interested in together um is then uh really kind of powerful because then we create something where um it's sort of it's sort of something that neither of us really expected at the end of it because Mm. parts of each will kind of be fused together and and it'll turn into sort of something something different Um, but i think then also the process is something that we're always iterating and we're always learning about you know ways to talk about things, ways to, de- ways to describe things, um, and ways to represent things that sort of, um, you know, help that process and help, help our clients kind of, um, come out with, 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 you know, these, these sort of ways of then engaging with the, with the project and, 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 and making these kind of bold decisions. Um,
0: Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I have things in my work where I know that if I talk to architects about this marketing thing, they are just going to like run for the hills. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. so I've picked up all these like (laughs) do not go out of bounds kind of areas. Do, Do you guys have sort of similar things that you've picked up on, which is like maybe initially you made some you sort of maybe um, got some clients on the on the wrong side uh, coming at it from certain angles. Like, have you become a bit more like kind of tactful in your approach? Like, how do you sell a client on like a really bold? <laughs> like, <laughs> how do you, is there is there a way that is there a way that you can kind of get them out of their comfort zone, or is it really just you don't even try, you don't push like that? It's more of a let's kind of meet in the middle and both put our ideas like into the pot. <laughs> is that is that usually the best way to handle it?
2: I think there's definitely. Um, I mean, we we talk about things like color and kind of materials right from the beginning of the project, and I think that really helps. So there's never, um, you know, it, traditionally I suppose people think about color right at the end of the project. You know, okay, so now what? You know, what what color do we paint the walls in? And I think that you know sometimes can come as a real kind of shock, kind of as a surprise, and I think um it's then harder to kind of accept I suppose but while if we talk about these things right from the beginning of the project you know the first conversations are about you know what how do you want this space to feel like and you know what you know what colors would kind of you know suit that or or would kind of support that um it's it never feels like we get to the end of the process and and there are still decisions to make because that process has kind of made decisions uh, along the way for for us um, but yeah, I suppose that's that's one approach. I think there's also, I mean, you know, often how you talk about colour can be quite interesting. And, you know, sometimes we always talk about, um, you know, certain colours, the names of colours don't come across uh, well. So th- I think we were having a conversation recently with um, some other architects about, you know, uh, the colour pink <laughs> Yeah. and not saying pink, but saying light red or or <laughs> you know just all all the kind of names around colors and how you know colors have certain connotations, of course, and you know actually the way that you kind of describe colors or talk about colors can also can also change the way that you maybe uh, perceive colour.
0: Yeah, that's very interesting. And and do you find that um, well I guess you know in terms of also introducing color early on in the conversation, I imagine that it's extremely important in your case when you're thinking about whether or not somebody would be a suitable client for your practice, that you go Have you looked at our work? Right? Have you have you do you like what do you like our stuff? Like that must be pretty core, cool, right? There are some architects that don't necessarily even do that, but for you guys that must be like completely the very first step, right?
1: It is really useful, yeah. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah. and I think I think that was sort of a bit, you know, a bit behind. Kind of what we were trying to do with our website redesign was also to kind of try and present the work really clearly, that people yeah. got a really good impression of kind of what what we were, you know, what we would be looking to to help them with. And and I think you know, yeah, to go back to that point uh, from earlier, that um, that a lot more people are aware of kind of what we do, and we now get people coming to us because of. You know the work that we've done previously and and the approach that we take and and you know that they want to go on that journey uh and they want to sort of see see what we can come up with um so yeah it is it is really important and that's it's kind of across the board as well you know it's it's not that that's just for homeowner clients it's also for for commercial clients as well so um yeah it's been it's been you know really valuable to kind of be able to present that better and better
0: it's it's interesting, this idea of kind of the, the sort of the niche that you guys are in where, you know, um, the, you've allowed it to organically develop this very, um, very, uh, I've used a few different terms, but distinctive kind of brand identity as a practice um, and distinctive projects. Uh, there are some quite often, you know, I'll be talking to architects and they will tell me about their fears of. Becoming pigeonholed—that's that's the word that some architects will use—pigeonholed or kind of put into a particular uh, bucket. And some some architects sort of pride themselves on sort of never doing similar things twice, or at least they kind of tell themselves that that's what they're doing. It doesn't necessarily look that way, but <laughs> that's their kind of rationale. That you know, we—I it, 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 guess, like you—you're you, uh, both nodding your head, so I, you get where I'm kind of coming from here, but. What are these kind of doubts that kind of creep into your mind as an architect um, that not not stop you from sort of that, that maybe prevent you from exploring just really being kind of free with your approach to design um, and you know not worrying about if you end up kind of kind of developing maybe a little bit of a pattern you know um, but but what are your what are your kind of thoughts on that typical idea of like oh no I don't want to be pigeonholed I I, I don't want to have a style all these sorts of things that you hear architects talking about, like where's all that coming from?
1: Yeah, I think um, it it is, uh, it's sort of a double-edged sword, I think. I think, you know, on one hand, we don't do the same project twice. You know, we we never want to kind of, you know, repeat things because then our clients won't be getting something special. So it's always about kind of, you know, moving on. But at the same time, I think we're kind of, we're sort of young enough that we want to get better at specific areas and see kind of you know the next project as always being the most exciting one and there are always being kind of you know more value that we can add in specific areas and so we're really kind of trying to you know yeah develop things and i think as long as we keep a kind of you know a sort of methodology of of you know, continually innovating and uh, investigating new things, and being really honest with with you know developing things with our clients. Um, I think we can continue to then, yeah, sort of you know get better at the at the yeah. things that we do. So I think it's not. I think the the sort of pigeonholing thing. Um, it it depends on kind of what what is the pigeonhole. You know, if 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 our pigeonhole was you know the most innovative architect in London or the UK, (laughs) I'd be happy with that pigeonhole, you know? And, and I think it's really about, it's really about kind of what's that pigeonhole stopping you from doing. And at the moment there's nothing stopping us, you know? And I, and I think, I think it's really the, 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 you know, we, we, yeah. I don't know. I've probably talked enough about
0: that. I, I think it's it's not so much a pigeonhole in terms of like where you're at or your position in the industry. I'm, I guess I'm speaking more to this idea that you know when when there's a summary of the work that you guys are doing as a practice, it's like Office S are known for their exciting, joyful, colorful, creative architecture. Like it's the it's the known for X factor that some people look at and go, oh known for something oh that's a bad thing (laughs) like whereas in any other field of art or creativity or anything you'd be like that's a good thing you really want to be known for something and part of that is usually a byproduct of being kind of consistent in what you do right and having some element where people can go i'm enjoying kind of following the different iterations as this practice kind of evolves but they're not like doing like a blue house one day, then a gray kind of like cold sort of sterile thing the next day, then they're doing it. like they're not, they're not, you're not experimenting to the degree where it looks like six projects from six different firms. Instead, it's kind of, they've got, they've got kind of a, what yeah, and maybe that's just a byproduct of a certain approach and a certain personal sort of, you know, all that sort of thing. Then, when you get sort of clients that like the stuff you're doing in the mix, wanting to continue to drive that, then it becomes a bit of a thing. But I guess that's what I'm talking about when it comes to pigeonholing in a in a long way, right? Um, but you know, obviously, that's something that you guys probably see it the way that I do, I suppose, which is that that consistency is a is a can be a real strength, can't it? Yeah, and I,
2: and I think also, you know, we we talk to clients right from the beginning. And, you know, you know, often they come to us having seen a project that we've done and, you know, you know, liking, um, you know, a, a particular project that we've done. But I think we always try and talk to them and, you know, say that we don't want to have You know, we don't want to start the process with any preconceptions. And of course, you know, that's sometimes hard to do. But I I think it's really important for us as well that we actually trust the process and, you know, trust that we'll get, you know, we'll get somewhere good in the end. Um, But I think it's, you know, we don't want to... We don't want to start that process knowing what we're going to do because it also, you know, doesn't make it very interesting for us either. Um, and and the client, you know, already knows uh, already already knows what they're going to get. So. I think it's, it's important for us to, yeah, to allow that process to kind of develop um, those ideas and and develop those projects. But of course, every project builds on the last project. Um, And and so there are going to be kind of threads that we continue and continue to kind of uh, research because, I mean, we, we also, I suppose, taught for seven years. So we're, really interested in the kind of at- academic side of things. And we we see our projects, now that we don't teach, we see our projects also as, as an opportunity to continue our learning um, and continue those, those kind of, yeah, I suppose, developing those ideas.
0: I just want to push a little bit further on it because that's what, Katrina, that's what everybody says except for the academic part. But the part about... <laughs> every project's a fresh thing. It's a blank slate. We go in, we're not predicting the final outcome. Like everybody says that. I know that's what you're supposed to say as an architect, but, um, there's a, there's a sense, I think, like in looking at your work from the outside that you're pulling kind of on the same sort of thread and continue to go deeper and deeper down a bit of a rabbit hole of going like, we're we're kind of going in a particular direction and I guess, um, coming back to some comments you made earlier about that sense of hey that's okay like we can go off on a bit of a a like we can go down a bit of a rabbit hole to practice in terms of exploring things that we're into like is that does it feel like from your side that that's kind of what you're doing and I think I'm talking about kind of in in contrast to sort of you know the regular sort of practice that maybe isn't kind of going out on a limb to quite the same extent in terms of you know i guess you've created an environment in your practice where it's kind of okay and good to do that so i'm just curious in kind of getting i suppose your thoughts on how that works and what that's like and i guess like philosophically i mean even yeah. as a business or as designers like how that how that kind of experiences from your end
1: yeah i think um i think i, th- I think as katrina mentioned you know it, it, the idea of a process that is sort of what's leading us to this you know this Rabbit hole, like you say, and and the fact that you know, you know, maybe different to other people, we are looking at color and materiality, and not repeating ourselves, sort of right from the start, and bringing those precedents in. That's sort of you know funneling us in that way, so that you know we're we're sort of through through this embedded process, you know, inevitably going to kind of do something different and do something that's kind of you know realizing those those sort of hopes and dreams of you know the clients. But then, you know, then at the same time, I think while we maybe, you know, I, I think it's not that we're kind of seeing ourselves in in opposition to kind of other architecture practices. It's more that we feel that we're quite similar to some other practices that are developing. And I think practices like CAN and like MUT, um, we're seeing as real kind of, you know, running mates yeah. and kind of being, you know, pushed on by kind of what they're doing as well. And so, you know, then it's really exciting to kind of, um, you know, see see a kind of group of of small young practices that are kind of you know doing things together. And um, we were recently in a, a, a publication by the Architecture Foundation called New Architects Four, and that that's this kind yeah. of survey of of, of of architects. And yeah, seeing it more as kind of a groundswell of kind of young people that are. You know, much more kind of socially engaged, much more interested in doing something that has a kind of positive impact on the environment, and 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 those things kind of being embedded in, in what we do, as well as it kind of you know looking funky and sort of slightly different. Yeah. So I think I think I think it's really about yeah, sort of um, using all of these things to kind of drive drive that process and and drive that innovation. Um, and and yeah, inevitably, that's going to kind of build and build and build in a in a certain direction. I think.
0: I love that. I got the exact answer I was looking for. Thank you so much. <laughs> so, is there any particular part of it reflecting on kind of the way that you guys interact with clients or you, that you tackle this project? Is there a particular stage or? aspect or sort of bag of tricks you've picked up that you think has the sort of a big impact for you like it it, it kind of carries the load in terms of you know being being an element of what leads you guys to have these projects that are turning out pretty bloody awesome
1: <laughs> I don't know it's a good it's a very good question I think the um I think yeah the things that we touched on previously about kind of yeah what do we think is really important and things around color and materiality being kind of you know top of the list and then i think our use of kind of um precedent in a certain way um is kind of valuable um but i think i think possibly the way that we sort of move projects forward is is really through um is presenting the best option as as the way forward and i think that sort of sometimes um we 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 know that kind of you know maybe maybe sometimes other people will present kind of a range of equivalent options, and then it's sort of about picking picking one. And I think what we tend to see is much more about kind of um, uh, how can designs be iterative and how can you kind of move forwards by kind of incremental steps rather than by kind of optioneering. And it, it's it's not a kind of hard and fast rule, but we've sort of, um, that that's sort of something that I think we do kind of, you know, does, does help us to kind of, you know, move projects forwards because you, you agree something that is, you know, that, that can be kind of ambitious and, and, and kind of keep going down that, that route. Um, and, and I think that sort of helps to helps to move projects in an, in an innovative way. Um, and, you know, anecdotally, we've heard that other architects do work in that way and, and sometimes in an even more, you know, sort of strict version of, of that way. <laughs> yeah, the kind of um, take
0: it or leave it my way or yeah, the highway kind no, of approach. Absolutely. Yeah
1: no 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 I mean, you know I, I think i was hearing some anecdotes about herzog and a moron and you know yeah. that they're they're like quite literally not allowed to present more than one option because yeah. you know why would you if if you if you as an architect decide something that is the best you know the best outcome the best fusion of all the discussions you've had and you know and a client says no to that you know why, why yeah. are they employing you and yeah. i and i think that i think that there, there is something about that it, it, you know but but i but yeah, we're not as draconian <laughs> in that way. So, um, do, you, do you
0: guys like, is your approach to, to have a similar sort of, we're heading in one direction, but break it down into so many more, so many small decisions that your client doesn't even realize what they've agreed to? But <laughs> you just, you just sort of like, you're not even, it's just so broken down into steps. So it's more of an iterative sort it's, of thing. It's I'm not, just kidding, it's by not, the way. But
1: yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> I think there's also like different stages to make, you know, for different decisions. So I suppose we kind of start off with a kind of master plan and you know initially the decisions are around where things are or where you do things. And and we slowly kind of zoom into the space and I think I think those, you know, breaking down the process into those smaller steps really helps to I suppose make make that process less daunting um and and feel less like you're making big decisions and actually they're kind of smaller smaller decisions as you're as you're going along
0: yeah that's really interesting do you feel that uh overall that's a big part of kind of how you let's get back to marketing for a second because we've gone down the architecture rabbit hole for a bit too long Um, (laughs) do you feel that that's sort of Part of the part of the process in terms of like branding, social media, kind of how you present yourself publicly, it's that architecture. We need to actually be a little bit less daunting in terms of, um, like, is that is that part of the recipe as well?
2: I'd never really thought about it in that way, um, and yes, I suppose so. I mean, I suppose we, you know, we use we use social media quite a lot. We um, uh, often talk about projects, um, you know, as they're being developed. Um, so I, I suppose like in the early stages, we talk about stories or, you know, um, kind of narratives around projects and, um, material choices and things like that. Um, and yeah, I, I suppose that part of it is, is to make it a more accessible or more legible in a way, um, yeah, I've I never
1: think, really thought about it in that way. Yeah, I think I think you know we want things that are experiential at the end of it. You know, things that is in some way kind of immediate. And I think that while we have an academic a background and a- an academic process, we don't want the work to be overly academic. You know, we don't want somebody to kind of have to read the guidebook to the to the project. It should be something that you that you experience and then you know, also there's the story behind it and, and you can get kind of a richness out of it in that way. But, yeah, I think definitely we want to be approachable and we want to produce work that is, is approachable.
0: I've been on a bit of a kind of a run lately of um, interviewing architects that also have kind of academic backgrounds as well and that have taught and it's not something that I'm trying to do on purpose but I'm finding that the practices that tend to communicate quite well um online tend to tend to have some experience standing up in front of a room of architecture students and having to explain ideas to them. <laughs> um, and it seems like it's quite a helpful background. Also a couple of guests on the show have mentioned that it's given them an environment where they've really had time to sort of think about kind of their ideas and what they what they want to do. So was I guess like have you found that that kind of communication was, was that a useful? you know, when, you, when you're writing your kind of Instagram captions and things like that, and you're thinking, I mean, who do you feel like you're talking to? It's, I'd be interested to kind of get inside your mindset a little bit in terms of, you know, when you're sitting there, you've got a picture and you know you need to write a couple of paragraphs. Like, where does your mind go in terms of that process when we're thinking about how do we sort of explain and communicate around, you know, what we're doing?
2: I think actually the first the first things that we started writing um, about uh, before before we set up the practice were actually blogs. So I remember Hugh set up a blog uh, while we were studying, and you know at that time it was quite not everyone had blogs. <laughs> you know <laughs> you're you're quite early, um, and. I remember also setting up a blog and actually I found it so useful um, to write in the blog. And, and you know, and I don't think anyone ever read it. And it, w- it wasn't really about that. It was more about, um, you know, pausing, you know, while you're developing a project and actually kind of writing about it and, and telling the... Kind of story of what you're doing and and uh, you know thinking about the process and the ideas and and that that became such a useful tool actually to go back to and I think our kind of Instagram account I suppose has been a continuation of those blogs in a way that they're captions or moments in a project where where you can slightly look back and reflect on what you're doing Um, and I think. I think I suppose that is has then been um, yeah an interesting way of of kind of talking about how the project has come to be um, and you know quite often we look back at a kind of earlier posts or sketches that we did and and actually they're quite useful because it 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 takes you back to the kind of core of the project or the idea of the project um, that sometimes you. You know, as you as you as you get to completion, uh, and you're building a project, sometimes you know uh, it's good to kind of look back and 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 be able to see where it all came from and why why it was um, why it developed into what it what it developed into. I don't know yeah. if that answers your question. No, it does. It does. <laughs>
0: Where's the blog, guys? What
1: happened to the blog?
2: Oh god, <laughs> it's now an inst- it's, it's, it's now an Instagram account. It is still there, actually. <laughs>
1: no, they're on they're on Tumblr. They're like yeah. back in the you know yeah. dim and distant past of the internet. But in well, the museum. I mean,
0: if you, if you re- sort of brought <laughs> resuscitated the blog at this point, I mean, you'd still be one of the only practices that's like got a blog. I mean, they're not they're not that common, and they're not that active even when people do have them. But that's really interesting. So, actually you know, so you're not even in the, in that context, I mean, you're not even necessarily thinking about the objective of the writing necessarily, or you're just kind of going, it's interesting to explore our own sort of thoughts and connections and sort of, as you said, pause and kind of crystallize a little bit what what is kind of going on with this at the moment. It's an interesting process because it's kind of, it's a little bit extracurricular, right? It's not a requirement. <laughs> you, yeah, you don't yeah. need to stuff and write about your projects. But, you know, what? when you were blogging and now that you're Instagramming, I guess what? where does the motivation to keep on doing it kind of come from and to actually make the effort? I suppose in terms of how does it benefit you is what I'm kind of thinking.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think we sort of see it as like beneficial in it, in itself. Like it mm. is this opportunity to kind of, you know, exactly. write for, you know, it, it, it is putting images on Instagram or writing for Instagram. You know, it, it's sort of, it's, 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 it's in and of itself kind of, a you know, a thing. Um, and then, yeah, it's great. You know, if it has, if it has kind of, you know, other benefits, but I think as Katrina was saying, you know, it, it's kind of the, almost like a modern, version of us or another version of a sketchbook you yeah. know it's mm. something that you're just like pasting things into and then at some point in the future you know you'll collate it and then you know we end up yeah copying copying the text that we wrote you know when we we're developing a project into the pre- the text that will become the press release one when, when a project's finished so oh, and it becomes a, you know a place where you're testing names for projects or yeah. you know <laughs> kind of document documenting kind of little moments of like you know, the planning application or the, or, you know, a a kind of detail that you're developing. And then that ends up, you know, being part of the kind of, you know, the bigger, the bigger kind of picture. Um, So, so yeah, I think, I think it kind of being, you know, in some way, like I, I, I think we find it quite hard to understand how certain things lead into other things. I think, I think architect, you know, the way that somebody ends up kind of choosing an architect is a, is a, is a complicated and kind of long and (laughs) multifaceted process (laughs) so um you know it's not like we see this kind of like oh instagram is a direct feeder into kind of you know new new work for the business but it it is about kind of in some way seeing that as like a valuable thing in and of itself and how can we kind of utilize that and the, the specific way that it makes us think about things and it makes us kind of you know um, develop things. So, yeah, I think it's trying to see it, it, it as being valuable on but its own. That's
0: that's interesting because that's, I guess, you know, that's a perfect way of putting it. And that's exactly what I was looking for. So, sort of putting the business impact aside, because, you know, if that's what you're going after, you're probably not going to achieve it anyway. You, you, you ha- And you're probably not going to be consistent with it, right? Like I, res- mm-hmm. I respect anybody that maintains a blog or a podcast or anything for longer than a f- handful of things. Because once the once that initial momentum wears off, it's like what keeps you doing it, right? And so there has to be some sort of intrinsic kind of value in and of itself of doing it. Um, and it sounds like for you guys, Instagram is almost, it's a bit of a sketch, it's a sketching kind of process, a way of kind of chronologically going here's where this idea was at. But it also sounds like it's almost a bit of a journal, right? Like it's mm-hmm. kind of particularly Hugh, when you're talking about going back and then extracting parts out of it and going okay there's our press release I really like that idea (laughs) that's great so it's it's sort of um you're just basically documenting or kind of keeping a diary of 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 how things are kind of tracking
1: and it's really funny because people will say like oh congratulations on you know getting that planning application through or or this or that the other and then and then actually you know that may have happened a little while ago and you know, we just didn't get around to kind of documenting it. And then you've kind of, you know, you've got to remind yourself of it or you get like a, you know, yeah. so it's, so it's sort of funny that it can also be, yeah, it's sort of slightly after the fact. So like, obviously we're, you know, we're doing the work and we're producing other things kind of during it. But like you say, it is a, is a kind of, yeah, almost like a journal, almost a, a sort of, um, a diary of kind of, uh, you know, years in the life of the practice, okay.
0: <laughs> That's a really cool way of looking at it. And I think like, you know, in terms of setting it up in a way that when clients uh, walk in the front door that they are almost kind of, that there is some transparency and authenticity on your part in terms of how you communicate online with the public that, you know, people are pretty much going to feel that the contents uh, match what's written on the tin, right? Like that this is kind of what I expected and that you're being open about, you're being kind of an open book about sort of your process and the thinking that goes into your work because you want people that are going to be attracted to that and like-minded, right? And is that kind of, have you ever found that, you know, the stuff that you put out there, has it kind of come back to you in terms of, has it been appreciated by, you know, clients that have walked in? Have they ever, you know, quoted one of your blog posts to you? And <laughs> said no one reads them, but read them at the time. But, you know, do you, do you find like Oh, you know, we're doing this, and the people that are coming to us that we're now working with, they actually do have quite a good awareness, I suppose, of kind of what we're about. Has that has that definitely improved over the last few years?
2: Yeah, I, th- I think it definitely it definitely has. Um, I think also, you know, we're aware that we're not a practice for everyone. Um, that we are probably, you know. Uh, A bit like Marmite,
0: (laughs) or Vegemite, (laughs) Vegemite. Yep, yep, yep. perfect. Um,
2: But I think, yeah, and and you know, I I think not everyone. You know, this is probably the case for everyone, but you know, not everyone is going to like what we do, and and that's okay. Um, But I think in you know more recent years, people have come to us because they've seen our work and, and because they like our work. Um, and it's, it's, yeah, it's made that, um, kind of process, I suppose, a lot, a lot smoother, Mm. um, because people are, you know, already know what we do, uh, and, uh, like that approach. Um, but yeah, I I know that it's also not, you know, it's not for everyone. Um, (laughs)
0: Yeah, well, there's there's some firms I guess go like you know that that kind of keep things quite closely held or quite quite private or offline in a way, right? Um, where you don't, where it's a bit of a black box and you don't really know. You know, every now and then you see a project pop out of it, but from a from potential clients standpoint you're going i don't know what they're like or what their process is or what their ideas are or or anything right so whereas you guys aren't really that type of practice you're you're much more kind of open and approachable in terms of you know how you present yourself publicly and that's saying that it feels like it's kind of a bit of a conscious kind of choice right along the way it's better to be a bit more open isn't it
1: oh definitely and i and i think we're sort of finding that more and i think what we're you know, I think that I did, you know, that, term um, kind of authenticity is important. You know, it's n- not because we've kind of, you know, aimed for it, I think to go back yeah. to the term organic, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, but I, but I think it's sort of, you know, if we have, if, if people think that we have got a certain authenticity, then, you know, then it's like, we feel uh, like, are proud of like right, we got
0: lucky, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. we're just um, doing our, doing it our own way. And that's, <laughs> it just turned out that way. Yeah.
1: Gotcha. but i think then it's much more of like and now the opportunity is to kind of show people a bit more of us and a bit more of our team and yeah. to then kind of have more conversations about our process and you know how we work with people and you know because because I, I think you know there is inevitably the kind of criticism that in some way like oh you know you're producing images just for instagram and like your their instagram project and and you know we can have a whole conversation about that but 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 i think then it's like okay what else and how how can we kind of you know um yeah continue that conversation and 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 open things up and and you know there, there is the possibility you know i think um sometimes sometimes the projects you know um you know people will wonder like oh like who commissioned that and like how how on earth did that did somebody mm. like get to the point where they felt like they could have a conversation with you? And yeah. we want to be, you know, we want to be even more approachable than that. that
0: you almost that, need to be right. yeah, Cause of, cause of that kind of Marmite factor. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like, we're not for everybody, but we're going to be very like welcoming to the people that are. <laughs> and you can't use Vegemite as an example, cause everybody in Australia likes Vegemite. So it's, <laughs> the, the, the analogy doesn't work here. Um, I want to completely change the conversation because I'm aware of the time and I've got so much I want to pack into like the last kind of 20 minutes. The first thing, and I want to talk about this idea of you guys kind of diversifying away from just, you know, the residential stuff. And I've heard you quote the 50-50 split quite a few times and it's on the cover of your, it's on the front page right away, front and center on your website. So you're extremely well media trained, your 50-50 split. Um, soundbite. I love it. (laughs) I'm curious about strategically embracing this idea of the 50-50 split and going, it's a 50-50 split. We're going to give it a name. It's not just going to be we do homes and then we also do public and then we also do commercial, blah, blah, blah. We're going to be like specific and kind of precise about it. I think you're the only, again, this might be one of those, we did it organically, wasn't intentional kind of scenarios, but um, this idea of going, we're going to create this specific Sort of layout of these two things and talk about them with this kind of evenness. And we're going to be intentional and at least come across as kind of intentional in making a choice about that. Really quickly, I'm just interested in at, at what point did you kind of land on this idea of the 50-50 split between, I should say for the listeners as well, it's between kind of private and then sort of public and commercial, like public realm stuff, right?
1: Well, it's, it's interesting because I think as Katrina spoke about, you know, we we started out working on public projects mm. and that was, you know, there was a point at which, I mean, our, 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 kind of, our sort of, you know, in the first few years of the practice, our explanation was all of our projects are public and we've won all of them through competition. And, and that was sort of, you know, that, that was kind of, uh, you know, a bit of a, a bit of a kind of calling card. Mm. And so we've sort of, we've always had that, that kind of you know for for one of a better word work stream or that approach to that sector and yep. and develop that you know through as as Katrina said you know first was one shop then it was four then it was 25 you know yep. then, you know and so and so those things have kind of have developed and and I think what we kind of found was maybe that that explanation was being lost as maybe we were then seeing some you know um some of the private residential or Kind of yeah. rebuild work, sort of starting to kind of bubble up and become more recognised, and I and I think it, you know, we we sort of suddenly realised that, oh wait, we're we're being known as like a a, a residential architect or a housing yeah. architect or you know something like that, and I think as maybe to go back to your previous question about pigeonholing, you know, <laughs> not <laughs> not wanting to yeah. kind of lose this this you know the, the thing that we've been working on for the best part of a decade. And the reason you know, the reason we set up the practice, the reason we were able to set up the practice was public work for local authority clients doing, you know, things directly on people's high streets. And that was what we what our our projects at university were about. They were about people. And we wanted to make sure that, that you know that that, that 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 thing at the kind of core of the practice was was really kind of coming through. And so yeah, we, we kind of, you know, you've got to kind of name something and, you know, to, to, to kind of recognize it. And, and, um, yeah, we, we, we sort of decided that, you know, that, that, that needed to be kind of recognized and we needed a way of kind of, you know, um, of, of, of of kind of, yeah, I suppose in a certain way, well, yeah, recognizing it. Um, and so we, we actually went on a, we went on a course I think sort of um it must have been early last year that the British library ran um which was really good as kind of as this sort of overview of um of of sort of um, you know talking about people's businesses and it was really 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 different businesses that were that were working on that um and sort of but through that process we kind of yeah went went on to. Be able to then define kind of what what did we do and you know what was our kind of boilerplate and and how did we kind of approach things and i think that that sort of that kind of helped us and 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 at that point we sort of yeah um clarify clarified that i suppose and 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 made that made that kind of really really clear um and it, yeah i think it became really it 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 then you know, made sure that you know, our t- our t- you know, we're all very aware that that's sort of that's what we're doing. That, that, that the team knows that we're working on that split of things. That we know we're working on that split of things, and um, and and yeah, you know that that's 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 worked. You know, it it, it works really really well, and and I think it, it you know, it's something that we're yeah, it, it sort of also sets out that commitment into the future as well. You know that we're not going to let like one thing kind of slide that we you know the the, that is seeing the best of both bringing the benefits of each to the other and and yeah you know feeling that that's also a thing that we're really unique about um because not many not many practices can say that they they do that and and we think we're you know we're really proud that we're that we're able to work in those two spheres
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting. I mean, it's so common when, I mean, a lot of the practices will start off actually more in that kind of residential (laughs) end, and then they sort of aspire to then start transitioning into the public stuff. And then it does sometimes start to get a little bit messy when you go from this category that you're well-known in, and you guys will go in the opposite direction. um, And we start going off in the other direction. And then all of a sudden, oh, now our brand is starting to feel like a little bit ambiguous. People are kind of like, well, what do you guys do? Are you a commercial firm? Are you a residential firm? People want to kind of apply labels to you. It's all a little bit, you know, uh, and some and some practices don't like to kind of put a label on it and they kind of leave it open to interpretation like what we could be kind of anything. But that kind of leaves people a little bit unsatisfied, right? Because you don't want to, when you see a brand go, our brand is everything or could be anything. We don't want to like put it, we don't want to like confine it. That's not necessarily that reassuring. So I think that you've gone and put this kind of concreteness behind it, I think is just so, yeah, such a smart move. I also like that point, Hugh, that you made about how it for the team as well and for our culture as a, as a company, mm-hmm. it's nice to have that clarity. Like that's kind of the like the vision kind of, I suppose, is that's where we sort of want to, we're staying here that must be that must be good because you know if somebody came into the practice more kind of passionate about the residential site, to know that that's still kind of going to be there in a few years' time must be <laughs> you know yeah that's really cool
2: I think also with them um, you know especially with people kind of joining the team, I think it it means that you know even kind of uh junior. Uh, members of staff who are on their year out uh, from university means that they get a real range of experience I think if we were a practice who only did let's say residential or only did commercial you end up getting experience on one you know one within one sector and actually this this means that you know they'll be walking down a high street talking to shop owners and you know about their kind of designs for their shop fronts um one day and then the next day they'll be designing you know a space for a home um for a family so i think it, that kind of range um allows us uh, allows kind of um team members to to get really good experience but also allows us to be really agile from a design point of view be, being able to you know jump from one to the other and know what you know each of them are kind of looking for is is uh, yeah is really really kind of helpful i suppose
0: yeah absolutely i've i've saved the best for last in terms <laughs> of my absolute what I think is the absolute best part of your marketing, which is your services pages on your website. These are so good that I'm like convinced that you guys spent like fifteen thousand pounds on a copywriter. Did you did you write these yourself, or did you get a copywriter to help you with these?
1: We wrote them ourselves.
0: Are you serious? Okay, I am. That just shook me to my foundations. <laughs> I can't believe it. They're, okay, so they're so good because. And I'm always pulling up your service pages and showing them to every architect and saying... But I
1: will will say that we wrote them after we'd been on your course. So (laughs) we... we,
0: Okay, so it turns out I just—it
1: turns out I just really like
0: them because they're basically following my own advice. Okay, cool. So I'm gonna—that's <laughs> so funny. But I am gonna point out what I like about them, and therefore what I like about my own advice. Mm-hmm. Um, they're extreme. Okay, so just a bit of background. There's basically these three sort of service. There's a prominent services page on on the studio's website that then just gives you three options: homeowner, council, and developers. I think so. These three kind of core client groups. And then each of these pages has probably the best, most persuasive architecture practice copywriting I've read that follows a really consistent structure, which is uh, say councils, for example. Councils are often frustrated by these specific problems. Then you riff on the things that you know that they struggle with. And um, then you have a paragraph that kind of talks about like what they're what you know that they kind of want to achieve. Third paragraph is because we understand these concerns and we've and we know how to work well with council clients, we do such and such. so it sort of talks about your approach. And then finally, you end up with a clear three step process that describes how you approach council projects. And this is repeated on the homeowner page, the developer page, and it's just, okay, it's brilliant. So, I guess like digging into that in terms of coming up with a question, how, how did you identify, I mean, when you sat down and did this exercise of putting this copy together and everyone should go read it, um, starting off with like frustrations and what we know you want as a client and then responding to that in terms of what our business does and what our studio does. How, how did you go through that exercise in terms of sitting down and writing out your client's frustrations? What was that like?
1: Well, I, th- I think it was because we we started off with these pages because we'd always had a sort of a services tab which was more about the RIBA, you know, stages uh, like and,
0: the concept design. Yeah, design so we'd yeah. written
1: we'd written this thing of like, oh, you know, at stage one we'll make sure that we do this, and you know, you'll get that, and this will help you with that, and 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 we sort of saw that there was kind of some useful stuff in that, you know, that it was that it was explaining kind of what we did but it was sort of also explaining kind of how that would help you know the the the, the clients and um and so the and so then you know when we were when we were re really looking at the website we were then thinking of you know um how could we then you know make that clearer and kind of more useful and sort of more directed at these at the kind of potential specific groups that would kind of be Using the website, and how can we kind of, you know, give give something that would kind of have value, and so it then became, yeah, a stru- uh, It then became kind of okay. Well, you know, it's less about the the process, but actually, it's more about those kind of, you know, I don't know, pros and cons, or, or kind of the, the 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 issues and the and the potential responses, and it was then kind of trying to articulate that and you know we sort of i think you know it's interesting that you pick up that they're all the same but i suppose we we always imagine that you will read one but you might not meet, read the other two and so course, you sort of yeah. no you know,
0: it's only me reading all three it's the, yeah. <laughs> it's the marketing guy trying to steal your strategy that's reading all three but like for the for the client they're only really looking at the page that relates to them and their project right yeah so and it makes just a very customized kind of pitch just to that audience just in terms of framing the studio in a way that makes sense to them and and doesn't really worry about the other issues or the other types of people because obviously the challenge everybody has is that we usually just have an about page on our website and that has our our sort of 200 words about the studio and you go well we're speaking to homeowners councils developers and you know and startups you know what what are we going to say that's going to work for all of those audiences and and you know architects come to me with that question and i go i don't know you can't <laughs> right not a great answer but so so you found that you know actually sort of separating out these different segments and talking to them individually is kind of a good way to do things right
2: yeah i think that's i mean that's been really really helpful um, in in also kind of explaining that kind of 50 50 split that we have. Mm-hmm. And as Hugh was saying, initially we had one for everyone. And I think it was for no one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> because no one could, uh, you know, as an individual, if you're a developer or if you're working for council, no one could fully relate to the services that we were that we had kind of listed and actually separating them into the different, um, the different types of clients, I suppose that we have, um, has been, has been a helpful way, uh, of explaining what we do in, in, you know, a really, uh, small amount of space, um, but yeah, it's good it's to know such... that, that you
0: think it works. <laughs> yeah. And there's such detailed pages as well in terms of the structure. It almost You're almost taking the approach of, in a way, almost taking what would be normally in maybe a fee proposal and you're just going, hey, we're basically just going to put the preamble of a fee proposal on our website <laughs> so they can read it before they have to come to us and get us to write them a fee proposal.
1: And, and that's sort of, you know, we do a lot of bid writing for the public projects, especially um, because they're always through competitive tender. And so we are always articulating the kind of value that we can bring on a project and and having to talk about, you know, even more esoteric things like risk management and, you yeah. know, um, uh, and and. And our approach to procurement strategy, or you know, and and so then almost kind of dialing that back to something that's sort of more specific, and mm. can be a kind of potted version of that is is sort of you know it felt like a felt like something that kind of we could do, you know, and yeah. um, and and that yes, then it was there, and we could refer to it, and actually, um, and and always the 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 uh, the idea was always to link those into the projects so that there could be a kind of natural flow between sort of seeing how we did it for one project and then seeing how we could do it for your project. And there being this kind of, you know, um, this clearer kind of link or narrative kind of running through the website as well.
0: Yeah, I love it. Down down the bottom of these pages, when you get to the part that I think is really, really distinctive is this idea of we have a clear process, you know, and this idea of, because you mentioned earlier the typical move that, I mean, let's say 10% of practices have a process page. So, you're already kind of in the minority of helpfulness and informativeness if you just have one, but... 90% 90% of those practices will just outline like the REBA steps, right? Or, 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 you know, Australian sort of steps that we've got, that sort of thing. But it takes kind of quite a bit of ingenuity to kind of reorganize it in your own sort of unique proprietary way of going, we have our own kind of process and it's not going to be 12 steps because 12's too many. It's going to be three. <laughs> and that's really, really great. And you've broken it down in this kind of into these, basically it feels like, they're not necessarily chronological, right? Like if we look at the example from homeowners, it's clarity, character and communication, but you've given them clear names. They're nice and like broken apart from each other, but you talk about really the kind of three major sort of the three acts of the process in a way rather than it necessarily just being we start off with this, then we do this, then we do that, right? So in terms of like coming up with those steps, I mean, was that something that just sort of naturally flowed from your normal kind of bid writing process, or in this in this act of kind of distilling it all down and making it more digestible on the website? I guess for anybody else looking to do this, do you have any hot tips in terms of how do you sort of reflect on your process and boil it down in a way that can be simpler for other people?
1: I'd, I'd say with this with this bit, um, and I suppose with kind of some other things that we're doing in terms of our in terms of process and sort of you know those those sort of i think getting to an understanding of like um you know yeah sort of the naming of things also kind of being valuable um mm. we we did uh we did some work with Ryan of uh, business of architecture yeah. um and that really helped us kind of in terms of you know the the sort of you know the structure of kind of working through things um and i think that's that's really where those kind of you know the sort of the the idea of steps or the idea of, you know, kind of leading somebody through, through something really came from. Um, Because I think that that was, you know, it it, it is in, it's kind of embedded in the, in, like, like we were saying, kind of the, 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 the plan of works, but, but actually that's complete, it is really impenetrable, you know, Mm -hmm. it's really useful for us because we understand it kind of, you know, back to front and, and it, and it's very, you know, you can kind of artic- articulate it and utilize it, but then actually, in terms of kind of what you do at those various stages, it's much, much harder to kind of explain. And in terms of then how can that, how can you explain it more clearly, but prove how you're adding value, and then you know, stick the stick the numbers at the end of the fee proposal. Um, that that was kind of a tricky thing, and I think I think kind of. Um, yeah, working working with Ryan and that was 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 really helpful because then we were able to articulate. Okay, this chunk of work is this much money, and that's the and and it's that much money because this is the benefit that you'll get from it. And and I think that's what we've you know how we how we kind of ended up developing those um, those kind of parts of the process, I suppose.
0: Well as much as I hate to end the episode on um a plug for another consultant we'll have to do it <laughs> guys thank you so much for coming on the podcast i know that we're, we've kind of hit the end of our our time but um it was it was really great getting a little bit of a window into i guess i guess what what's going on in the process behind the scenes with you guys and some of the strategies that you're you know, developing. It's all happening very quickly, it seems, but you're, you're doing some really, really interesting things. So, thank you very much for sharing it with everybody. Uh, really appreciate it. Thank you so
2: thank much. Thank you
0: very much as well. Well, that was my conversation with Hugh and Katrina from Office SNM. If you'd like to learn more about their studio, you can visit snm.com or follow them on Instagram at Office SM. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please make sure to subscribe to hear a new episode every second week. It also helps other architects to find the show and benefit from these conversations. So, I really appreciate it when you subscribe in your podcast app. And finally, if you'd like to learn more about me, Dave Sharp, you can visit vanityprojects.com to check out my blog, join over 5,000 other architects on my email list, or learn more about my marketing coaching services for architects and book a 20-minute consultation to discuss your marketing situation. That's all for this episode and I'll see you next time.